Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Leadership to Wealth podcast. On today's show, we have a, a vice president of schools for the John Gordon Companies. He leads the energy bus for schools and the power of positive school groups. And his mission is to help schools create a positive culture that creates that of creativity. And um, what I really want to share with you guys about today's episode is that he gets into a lot of different areas for what it's like for teachers and and the faculty and what they are dealing with and how they can take control. And for that matter, how any of us can take control of things like our emotions in these troubling times, how to really get into it and what it takes to be a leader with all of the perhaps negative forces that are coming at us each and every day. And so on today's show, I really want to welcome you, welcome and introduce to you guys, Dr. Jim Van Allen. Dr. Jim Van Allen, thank you for coming on the show today. Love the energy. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's all, that's sounds great. good. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I And I just started to allude to this as we were prepping for this, um, is that we are, I, or you, sorry, you have chosen a really interesting and perhaps, uh, what's the word? Um, I think you're a bit of a sadist because you are building <laughs> in an area. Yeah, you enjoy pain because <laughs> you're building in an area that uh, I I think, or perhaps many of us think is broken. So before we just kind of talk about what you're doing right now in terms of uh, in terms of business and um, you know the energy bus, before we get into that, can you give us you know, the viewers a little bit of background on yourself and and just kind of give us a quick synopsis of where you where you're from and and uh and where you are now sure so my background is you know i'm originally from from florida and you know growing up i was always really into speaking and communication and those types of things i was always the guy that the other classmates would point to and say all right you're going to do the group presentation you're going to present for us right so it was always sort of a natural fit for me to like get into something along the lines of communication and public speaking. So I went to uh, the University of Florida and I thought I was going to be a public relations uh, major and get into PR for a living because there really wasn't a degree for being a professional speaker. That's what I wanted to be, really. I wanted to be the keynote speaker. I wanted to be that guy traveling around and doing this. But there wasn't that job uh, there wasn't that career there wasn't that that major you were, right <laughs> you wanted to be you wanted to be that guy yes who exactly <laughs> who you see there <laughs> that's who because that's who i had seen on stage like i grew up yeah. going to conferences and as a kid as a teenager going to conferences and seeing that speaker and being like that's a cool job how mm. can i do that uh but there wasn't a major for it so like halfway through my collegiate career I, some friends of mine had seen an author, his name is John Gordon, speaking in 2006. And they said, Jim, you know, he's only an hour and a half from you. Like, you should email him and see what happens. We know you want to be a speaker. So I like threw caution to the wind and emailed him. 
and he responded. And that was 15 years ago. And we, we talked uh, that day in 06, and I interned for him my last two years at UF. And now I'm the vice president of schools for his very, very um, growing company. John is a top five speaker in the United States, and I'm happy to work right alongside him growing his education division. And it's humbling to me because of just that dream I had when I was younger and now being one of the rare few to say, I am literally doing exactly what I set out to do. Uh, it mm. wasn't easy. It was not a direct path. There's, a, there's some more to the story from from when I interned for him to now. But for sure, um, I, I enjoyed every bit of the process leading up to this point. Wow. Yeah. I, that Now, that is really interesting that uh, when you were younger, you know, you... <laughs> you were like, yeah, you're the, you were the guy that uh, everyone looked to to be in communications. And lo and behold, you have come out and do, done that because oftentimes we start in one place and then uh, we move along and kind of realize mo most of us have no idea what we want to do later on. Did did that just kind of happen naturally for you to to make that shift or um or, or for you to do that? Or was it uh, something that as you were in the midst of doing other things, you realized that that was actually it? Exactly what you just said. So when, when I entered high school, even middle school, I was telling everybody I wanted to be a doctor. Now, I'm a doctor yeah. now, but I'm a PhD. So don't ask me to do any CPR. Uh, but I, I <laughs> no want to be. No, not at all. I'm like, if they ask for a doctor on the plane, I put my head down. So that's not me. Uh, but I wanted to be an MD. I, I'm like, I want to be a cardiologist. Uh, I think it's yeah. because I watched ER growing up. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, but that was the thing. Like, so I went into high school into this medical academy that basically taught you about different uh, jobs in healthcare. And we got to have internships in healthcare and figure out what you wanted to do. And we, everybody joined this organization called Florida HOSA, which does competitive events in healthcare. So, of course, I joined it because all your friends are joining it. But, of course, my teachers uh, kind of directed me towards the public speaking event because mm -hmm. she had seen me do some public speaking in class just, just off the cuff as you do. And she's like, no, no, you need to do this event. And I ended up winning at states and winning at nationals and doing well with it. And that was the, the moment where I was like, mm, this is fun. And I don't really like this healthcare thing. I don't really like math. I was never very good at it. It was a struggle. Science was interesting, but I, I could take it or leave it, right? Like, and of course, if you want to be an MD, it's all science. It's all math. So I was sitting there saying at 16, I need to do something else. Like I need to, you know, I need to re-examine where I'm headed. And it was speaking. It was always speaking. It always will be. And that's kind of when I put the wheels in motion to shift my thoughts to or how can I be this great communicator and this great speaker? And that kind of translated getting into college and following that communication path. But I'm glad I had that, you know, that that opportunity when I was young, 14, 15, 16, to to, to expose myself to different areas of, of, of mm -hmm. life and internships and experiences to say, I like this. I don't like that. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for you know internships and all those types of things. 
Yeah, I I get that. I can see that. Uh, it, now, what's interesting is that at 16, you would see that so clearly. I, I think that uh, oftentimes what we're seeing now is, is there's sort of a kids, if I can say that, you know, the people that are younger just really aren't sure where they want to go. And so, but everyone around them tells them, oh yeah, you can figure it out. Don't worry about it. You don't need to make any decisions yet. You know, they're getting into university, doing courses because, okay, I have no idea what I want to do, but they're just doing university. And then they're literally coming out of university and people are still telling them, you know, uh, yeah, don't worry, but you got lots of time to figure out what you want to do with your life. And so more and more people are into their late twenties and thirties before they're even asking them some of these questions. And here you are at 16, um, or were at, at 16 asking yourself that question and, and seeing, yeah, there's, there's a different direction that I need to go. You know, I've always been driven. And I always admire, and that's always a quality I've admired about leaders, right? Mm. Who have a vision. They have a vision and they don't let go of that vision, right? They mm. understand, you know, and, and at that, you have to understand at that, at that point in my life too, I was really, so this is going to sound strange, but I had just seen the movie Signs. Remember the movie Signs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, about, and it was all about all these random events you thought were happening in the movie. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, it made total sense why all these random events were happening. And, and, and I discovered, I, I started looking more into purpose, like, okay, what's the purpose for all this kind of fitting life together. And, and I know this is 16. I'm supposed to be out chasing girls and I'm, you know, figuring out what's my purpose. And I was doing both one well, one, not the other, not no one, not very well. I could, you can guess which one I was not doing well in. I was the girl side, but I, I was just trying to put life together. Like I wanted to do something that made me happy. And I was always very driven. So I always knew I just wanted to have that eye towards what I wanted to do. And, 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 and it helped me, right. It helped me really have a plan in place. And, and even in college, when I was a public relations major, I, I never lost sight of wanting to be a speaker, but I thought I maybe could ride both sides, go the corporate route, but also build a speaking career on the side. So I thought maybe I could do that, you know? So, you know, I always sort of had some contingency plans in place, uh, but when I go around the country now talking to people, I tell that story a lot and I, I always go back to vision. Whether you're a leader, whether you're whoever you are, uh, that's going to help orient you and guide you so much if you have something to to put your hat on for sure. Wow. Well, I, I can tell you, I just I literally wrote that down. Leaders don't let go of their vision. Uh, Dr. Jim Van Allen. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to keep a note of that one. And, uh, put it in bold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And because it really does encapsulate uh, that that ability that leaders have good leaders have is that ability to hold on to that and keep going in there. Even when the waters get a, a little rough, they continue to make sure they move in that direction. And obviously those that, that follow them are able to, to continue to move in that direction. But I want to, I want to just pivot for a second. We're, we'll, we'll come back to it. Uh, like a stalking lion. We'll come back to to talking about your your past. Uh, I want to hear more about that. But what I just want to jump into because we we alluded to you being um, 
you liking pain and uh, and that and getting pleasure from that. So I want to come to what you're doing right now with regards to um, the the energy school bus, energy bus for schools, the yeah. energy bus for schools. Sorry, wrong order. And uh, and and just what you're doing in that area because or what you're doing right now. So can you give us a little bit of of some of the details on on what you're doing there? Of course. So John Gordon wrote a book in 2007 called The Energy Bus. And if you're a business leader, if you're an educator, you may have heard of the book. It's been out for 15 years. It's been on the top 10 list of any Wall Street Journal bestseller, New York Times. It's it's up there with some of the top business fable books that have been out there. And you know, I, that's when John and I first met. He just wrote this book and I helped him promote it. So as his intern, obviously. So years go by and, and I'm doing speaking for him on the side. You know, he can't be everywhere at once. So he sort of used me as his, hey, can you do this when I can't make it? Right. And I said, oh, sure, of course. I'd love to try that. And that that grew, you know, almost for a, a decade or so of me doing that uh, with him. And mm -hmm. we had so many requests for schools wanting to use the energy bus, this book in their school as a book study. Um, you know, just having their teachers read it. And now it was more of these requests of, okay, what else can we do with this material now? The book talks about 10 rules to fuel your life with positive energy. So it's all about positive thinking and how you can build that. So we developed the schools program based on this book, The Energy Bus, that has curriculum that teachers can follow, that schools can follow, that help them to basically do a deep dive into each energy bus rule. There's 10 of them throughout the entire year. So they're focused on this book and its concepts throughout the whole year. Uh, they're doing it, discussions, activities, and it's, they're using it to help build a positive campus culture, to build positive leaders, right? To, to work on the mental health side, the soft skills side of their staff and of their students too. So the program has all these components that help staff and students yeah. just think more positive using the rules from the Energy Bus book. Yeah, and I've I've had the opportunity to lead the program the last almost two years, and we have schools that are nationwide, right, all yeah. over the, the entire country using the programming, and of course, a lot of them want a trainer, right? Wait, we want someone to come in and speak to all of our staff. So I'll, I'll do that. There's also other schools and companies out there who don't necessarily want the energy bus programming, but they want a speaker because it's a professional development day. So, I mean, you name the audience, the style, the location, and it's odds are after a decade plus, I've been in a situation, right? Yeah. From a handful of people to 3000 to any setting. And if that doesn't cause pain and anxiety, as you've alluded to, <laughs> I don't know what will. So at this point, I can pretty much go anywhere, see any audience. And I'm not trying. It's not a brag. It's more of an experience. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Bucks fan. I'm from Tampa. So Tom Brady can go into any stadium, any time, playoff, regular season and probably do well. Right. Yeah. Still preparing. But. You know, it's it's not you're not being phased as much anymore. I think that just comes from yeah. experience, right? Yeah. Experience. So I don't really feel the the pain anymore as somebody might, but I do definitely think. But it, what the the thing is that every audience is different. So that breeds some just some performance anxiety because you trust yourself and your preparation, your material, but you never know how an audience may react. 
you can't always forecast that. So that always leaves a little bit of anxiety that you have to, it kind of keeps you on your toes as you're going mm -hmm. into various schools and events, so to speak. Are, are you still doing a lot of in-person these days, uh, considering, you know, uh, what we've been going through with regards to COVID? Yeah. So luckily, the in-person engagements picked up starting June of this of this year, 2021. And I was probably the busiest uh, I've ever been the last six months. And yeah. more to come on the horizon. I was just in New York last week, Dallas coming up, Kentucky, Texas, I mean, Ohio, all between now and February. So it's definitely picked up quite a bit. And I'm, I'm thankful for that um, because but for about a year before that, it was all virtual, right? It was all virtual. And mm -hmm. while virtual has had its place and, and, was a means to an end that you needed it during the 2020 time. I'm, I'm glad to be past that because it's nothing like a live audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've done both. Um, obviously I, I do lots of speaking online and uh, with people, but I've done uh, a lot of speaking in public as well. And so it is a very different medium and it, there is something to being able to feed off of, a crowd to get the sense oh, yeah. of where they are you're talking and you you know okay they're not getting what i'm saying all right let me go a little bit further or okay they're completely with me and you yeah. can go continue on whereas in in this remote uh format you, you're not getting that feedback so um it's completely different the reason that i really uh was thinking man this guy must love pain is because I don't know if there are many areas in our society that have held on to the past, like our school systems. I mean, often most most people, most parents would say the school systems are broken and um, everything from methods and, and that. So when I hear you talking about going in and trying to bring energy to the school systems, I'm thinking the first thought that came to my mind is, yeah, they want the energy, but nobody wants to get on the bus. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, you, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering what that's, what that experience is like for you, because you're, you're literally bringing a new mental attitude to an area that, that has resisted change for, for, I don't know, 50 years. You're right. And I'll, I'll tell what I will say to that, though, in, in saying all that, the the teachers, if you do a good job and you 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 make the material relevant to them and you, you talk with them, not at them, you include them in the conversation. They're thankful you're there by the end. And not a lot of teachers, uh, not a lot of PD professional development presenters can say that. Um, I, I just did a group. I had a group in Long Island, New York, right last week. And, you know, I'm not from New York, but my whole family is from New York, right? They all grew up up there. So that could be a tough crowd. You know, just the New York mentality is just sort of a little that tough of the crowd. They loved it at the end. They were coming up to me saying this was a good day. Somebody walked up to me and said this was a good day. We needed this mm. because of what you just said. I mean, the the sentiment with a lot of school boards and school districts, yes, that that, that there there are there is a brokenness to it to a degree. 
and I, I think that's because certain districts have allowed politics to enter their school boards and their school districts and teaching. And it shouldn't be like that. They've allowed personal agendas into it. And, and they've, they've um, created these standardized tests that, that I don't think accurately capture the whole child, the whole child, right? So that puts a lot of pressure on our teachers and our admins to follow a very strict path of curriculum that does not allow for a lot of extra creativity, uh, things that we would do. I, I remember just writing stories and doing curriculum, but just having having the opportunity to do extra fun stuff with your mind that 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 was that was unlocked the creative part. And I think a lot of that is not there as much. So that puts pressure on the system, on the mm -hmm. teachers, on the admins. On, on, and then you have parents from my guard and the old guard who are coming in saying, what is this? It wasn't like this when we were younger. And the way you're teaching things in Common Core. We did a math problem with my son a week ago. And I have my PhD. I have my master's degree. I couldn't figure out what the, what it was. This is first grade math. I'm looking at this and I'm like, what I, I i'm like this is embarrassing but it was just a weird different style of like showing your work so whatever the case is you're now you're getting parents who are getting upset and you you throw all that in and it's a combustible system right mm -hmm. very very combustible all those elements i just said so now you have somebody like me coming in doing professional development not talking about any of that we're not talking curriculum we're not talking about that but we're talking about them their mental health their positive thinking and how it can be improved. Who wouldn't want that? Okay. Yeah. I don't, isn't that what general, that's why people are listening now. That's why they listen to my show. That's why they listen to do podcasts and read books because they, they, I think generally people want to feel good. They want to, they want to be positive and have good relationships and not feel so, you know, under the thumb by, by, uh, by bosses or, or employers or curriculum, especially in teachers. So, it, it, it can be a breath of fresh air, but it definitely takes the right person and the right material to break through to the teachers. And I'm up for the challenge, no doubt. Nice, nice. Okay, so that I I think that's a really interesting dynamic to to take on the teachers and their mental health uh, rather than going after perhaps say the the curriculum and all the other things because at the end of the day, if you, if you're able to improve the, uh, you know, the attitude of the teacher, I think overall it improves the, the curriculum that they're teaching in its entirety. So, so let me ask this question. How do you, how do you help improve a, a teacher's mental health? Well, what we try to do is, get them to embrace the concepts from this book mm -hmm. and you know they read the energy bus book embrace the concepts concepts of it and and the book talks all about you know it does talk about how you're the driver of your bus you're in control of your emotions your attitudes your beliefs your feelings so we get them to try to understand that they own that piece they own mm -hmm. their emotions they own their reactions so a lot of times we feel like, well, others cause me to be upset. No, 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 no. If we have to shift out of that mentality and saying, I can choose whether or not I want to get upset or not at this situation, right? So when wow. you do that, you're more, you flip the script and you're more in control of yourself. So that, that helps. 
we teach them about vision and we teach them about purpose, having a vision, sharing the vision, driving with purpose. And as I talked about earlier, if you have a strong vision of what you want your classroom or your family or yourself to look like, you know, that's going to help give you a direction on things you need to do to accomplish that and execute it. So that makes you productive because you're always working towards something. Yeah. Um, we get them to think about their why, which is purpose. Why? And we always talk, we always talk about driving with purpose. Well, why did you want to get into education? We have a conversation about this. This is a whole section of the, of the, of the PD. Like you're sitting here, you've been here. Some of these people have been here 20, 30 years. I had somebody last week, 45 years. And I always like to say, and then we always have first year people too. Why? Like, why are you here first year? And why are you still here year 45? Like, what's driving you? So I get them to talk about that. And if they understand what's driving them still, why they're still in this, why they went into it in the first place, what's their why? That helps them to be more resilient. Because yeah. when you go back to your why, we don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. Mm. So if you can get the teachers to go back to their why, that just helps them to not uh, to avoid the burnout, to stay yeah. to stay positive. Go back to your roots, right? Go back to those roots, embrace that, and that's going to fuel you for sure. Yeah. So we talk about these. We just talk about we talk about these these things that are not the things that are not talked about as much in school. Yeah. Loving loving each other, good relationships, purpose, vision, ownership, and you combine those things in a half day or a full day. And people walk away feeling a lot better and a lot more optimistic about their future. Mm. Well, well, let's let's look at just one of those. You talked about emotions. You started off with emotions, and and I think we we live in a funny time where uh, people don't really believe that they have any control over their emotions, and but yet you're what you're saying is flying in the face of that. Well, I think we. You know, I, I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of elements in our society lately that have tested us mm -hmm. and have made us uh, very emotionally responsive. You know, we feel like we have to, you know, there's so many different, you know, just open up the newspaper the last four years, right? Turn on the news. There's always something that can get you triggered, okay, for lack of a better yeah. term. So, and I think that there are some in the media and society and powers that be that want you to be triggered and want you to be emotionally divisive and want you to be angry or upset because that will get you to click or tune in to wherever it is. So they want you yeah. to not be in control of your emotions yeah. because if you're out of control of your emotions, you try to find areas that will validate how you're feeling. That's why people mm -hmm. will turn to, one news network over the other, one over the other, they'll turn to these personalities over these, these celebrities, these political figures, whatever it is to reinforce their, their emotional state. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, and fear is such a, a strong driver. It, it, uh, some of the studies that I've read say that fear is like four times more powerful than, sure. than joy or happiness. I, I can, right. I know that, uh, I did work with um, with our correction services, the jails, pen penitentiaries, and one of the um, one of our lead psychologists had said I had asked him the question about, you know, why is it that we've got? It seems like we're devolving. We're having more and more crime, and and he actually corrected me and said, 
actually uh crime as a whole is actually down um but we have more media pushing that at us than ever before and so he said in fact you and i used to get into a whole lot more trouble than the kids do nowadays because most of them are home playing video games so uh there's a huge perception there to to what you're to what you're talking about with regards to how we are taking in all of that from the media absolutely fear is a big driver you're exactly yeah. right and we you know fear will make you do all sorts of crazy things and it will like i said it will it will force you to seek out something to to manage that and that's why people mm -hmm. will turn to certain things that maybe they shouldn't all the time social media being one of them too to reinforce or to calm down or to broadcast an opinion so you know in, in saying all that if you can teach people to block a lot of those things out and be in control of yourself think for yourself i saw somebody was wearing a shirt the other day on online it was like think before it's illegal it was something like that think before they make it illegal it was something like that. and and you know and and i i love that because the last 20 months like it's for myself and my family it's all about staying in our lane like that's been our our that was sort of our COVID 2020 mantra was stay in your lane. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be told what to do here, here, here. It was like, okay, we're going to do what's best for us and our family. And, and we were happy with those decisions and we all stayed healthy and well. And, and I, I try to bring that mentality into our, our, you know, into my work with, with teachers and schools, right? Own your emotions, think for yourselves, do your own research, and it's going to help you so much uh, just be in more control of yourself, your identity, who you are. Wow. Um, there, there's something there for me as I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. There's something there for me as I'm thinking about what it must be like for a teacher to be in the schools, hearing your message and and coming back and saying yeah but you don't know what it's like here because i know that teachers i i've got friends that are teachers and uh we we're actively we're active in our schools with our kids and so i'm always talking with them and and there is so much pressure on teachers to stay within some of these lines that that uh our communities are putting on them um they're that they're afraid to almost step out of some of these lines. And, and this is where what you're talking about, I think has so much value where you're talking about them being able to own their emotions and being able to own their decisions. Um, do, do you run into a lot of a lot of that cynicism? And hey, you don't know what it's like, Doc. You don't know what it's like over here. You know, I, I, I'm sure there's some who think that, but I try to do yeah. my research. Like I don't go into a school cold. Like I'm having, yeah. I'm having multiple conversations with the principal, the, the, the assistant principals yeah. leading up to the event and figuring out who I'm speaking with. What's the yeah. temperature of the audience? How receptive are they to this message? A lot of yeah. them, they've already read the book. A lot of them have done the book study. They do want to bring in a speaker to reinforce. Yeah. So and 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 that's 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 helpful i haven't 
I haven't walked into a ton of situations where the school is an absolute disaster and they want to bring an energy bus to really reclaim their right. their prominence, their their glory. Uh, I haven't, you know, I would love, I welcome those schools. Those are the ones who really need this. Mm-hmm. But I never go into a situation not not having done the research. So, right. and because what will happen is I'll I'll use that information in the talk. So I I until so I can get on the same level with the people in my audience, so with those teachers. Yeah. If I hear certain uh, situations that have happened to them or things they've gone through, I'll reference them as we're talking, so they they know that I've I've done my homework, I've done my research, and mm-hmm. I understand where it is they're coming from and because you know if you're sitting in an audience you you want a message that's relevant for you what you're going through at that moment so i need to make sure i understand that about my audience to have success Mm. well i've heard you say um i've heard you say in in previous interviews where you've talked about oftentimes where we're just uh seeking validation or that we need validation um can you say something to that with regards to uh, the teachers that you're you're coming in contact with? Well, you know, it's it's a reason why a lot of us complain. And teachers, I love them, but they're, they're big complainers. And you get a group of them together, and the principal's not around. They're gonna be, they're gonna find something that they could potentially complain about. And it's true. Like I, I haven't worked in a school setting in about five years. I, I teach online. In addition to work for John, I teach higher ed courses online so I can travel. But before five years ago, I was, I was on a college campus and Mm. you would get, you know, you would get everybody together in a room and if the principal, if the Dean or somebody wasn't there, what are they doing? Complaining about students, policies, something. (laughs) And it's like, Oh my goodness. So, but why do we complain? We complain because we want, we want somebody else to validate us. We want somebody Mm. else to say, yeah, I know what you mean. You're exactly right. Oh, I get it. Or and and kind of swirl around in that. So you're looking for that validation, and because you don't want to be alone in that type of thinking. And, mm-hmm. and, and teachers can do the same thing because if they really, if they really look, there there is a lot to, to that they can complain about. But a lot of that mm-hmm. they can't control. They can't control. Uh, a direction of curriculums, certain school board decisions, certain policies, they, they can't. So, and a lot of the stuff we complain about, we can't control at all. So I always look at that and say, well, listen, if you can't, if you want to complain, okay, well, let's bring some solutions to the table while we're complaining. Let's mm-hmm. not just seek validation. Let's seek solutions. Let's talk about and say, you know what? I noticed this was happening here or this was wrong here. And somebody else should pipe up and say, yeah, what can we do about that? What do you think we should do? What can, what can be done? Why can't the topic of conversation be the solutions and not just the problem? Mm-hmm. That's going to, if you're solution oriented, that's going to solve the problem or work towards it versus those that are just complaining, being negative, which will not solve the problem uh, at all. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where that validation kind of comes from a little bit. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your greatest say, uh, your greatest source of frustration these days? Myself personally, yeah, non-work related, just sort of in general. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do you have? No. <laughs> I How much time can, do you have? We can all find something to complain about. Um, 
I just think I, I'm, oh, I'm just blown away sometimes by what people will believe and mm-hmm. the things that they'll say on social media and in general, um, just with regards to, to COVID or society, just, just some of the thinking that's out there to me sometimes is just so polar opposite to what I believe or my family believes. And it's hard to, it's sometimes it's hard to <laughs> look at some things and be like, wow, like that, come on, that has <laughs> logic to it. <laughs> so stop being so stingy. Give us, give us something that's driving you crazy right now. <laughs> uh, well, I would definitely, I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to definitely say just things that are put out, people posting on social media, opinions, about COVID or vaccines or things mm. that don't necessarily have any logic or reasoning to it. They're just broadcasting it to broadcast it. Okay. Mm. Where there's no fact behind it. It's just opinion, opinion, opinion. And I think it's driving misinformation. And I think it's driving a lot of uh, just, just people surrounding themselves in, in one type of thought. So I, I don't think it's that, that healthy to be posting a lot of opinions and stuff on social media. I, I really, I really don't. I don't think it helps a lot. <laughs> but I, uh, I think part of that probably has something to do with the response or perhaps the viral response that people are getting back. They're like, if they, if you give an original thought, it gets passed over. Meanwhile, you say something about COVID, which has fear involved in it. And, you know, it'll, it'll get, a whole bunch of views, a whole bunch of likes, shares, uh, and the sort. Um, I know that I just uh, saw something last night where they were talking about, uh, do you realize that uh, the government gets uh, a kickback from every single um, vaccine shot that that they give out um, on top of the tax money that they get from... um, you know, whatever the doctors are paying and uh, their bills and, and the like. And so do you realize the kickbacks that the government is getting? And of course, that thing just went ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's going to, and this is, this is a lot of hot button th- things out there for yeah. sure. And I yeah. just try to, you know, I, I try to tell people, listen, you want to have a voice, you should, you should be involved. You should be active, but Go and and find other ways of of when did social media become the end all be all to to create change? Uh, mm. To me, change is done on the grassroots level. Change is done by getting you know you know going and speaking at at, at board meetings and writing letters and trying to work on policy and you know that that's where change comes from. Sometimes I think speaking, I think p- people post it's not. It's just they don't do it. I think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. If you do it with fact and research and stuff, okay, maybe it can it can help. But if you're just being emotional about it, I don't think it quite does a lot as good mm-hmm. or as much well, good I, as you hope it would. I think there's a lot of power in what you're saying there because I get asked the question, uh, you know, I'm in finance, I'm in real estate, and people will ask me, how did, how did you get all these investors? I'm like, uh... I did it the old fashioned way. I would have coffees and shake hands and, you know, you talk to people and, and just meet with them one-on-one, you know, that's, that's what we had to do. Uh, that's what we had to do before uh, this online world. Um, right. <laughs> right. But I mean, even I, I, to be honest, I didn't even know how to use social media 
for for that type of promotion in in my world so um so i i kind of agree with you that i don't know if there's another way than really just being in involved in it and doing things although I, i don't know that social media is kind of crazy because you can watch someone we can have this video this interview and you are talking about uh how people can reclaim power in their life get control of their emotions be a a a force of positivity and you know there we'll see other videos like the covid ones that you just talked about that'll <laughs> that'll get a whole bunch more likes and views and uh that's that's sort of it seems like that's just what people are looking for these days they are, you know, and, and it's true. And they're also looking for an, an outlet. Like people are frustrated. People are on both sides or they're, they're angry, they're upset or they're riled up. So of course you look for an outlet yeah. and, and social media has become that outlet to express uh, oneself, but it's done in a very emotional way. And are you really getting anybody to your side if you're if you're pointing fingers or you're name calling or you're disparaging or you're it's just too emotional i i don't i don't think so yeah. I, I and and i know because you know the guy i work for john gordon put out a a video a few a few weeks ago and i was really proud of him for doing this but yeah. it was it was a a video that was all research backed on why we wouldn't we should not need a government mandated vaccine like the mandate and it was very research backed and he did it very respectfully he said he was pro vaccine anti mandate and he would respond to people on the social media because of course that creates a, a stir but he would do he would respond in a very respectful manner and it was always pointing people back to the research Mm. And I thought, okay, that's the way to do it. Like if you're going to, if you're going to put something out there, that's how you surround yourself in the armor of, of research and poise and tone and be in control of your emotions. Right. Be, and right. that will help you to pause before you click send. Mm. More people need to pause before they click send. Mm. I can't tell you the amount of stuff I saw last year in October when president Trump contracted COVID, I mean, and, and, and Melania, our first lady. So it's just the sheer amount of just, no matter what you feel felt about the man, just like, people wishing death and people wishing things. And I'm, and these are friends. And I'm like, how could you put that out there? I said, mm-hmm. no matter what you feel, how about you just hit pause and go about your day? Why even say anything? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, so I think more of us need to just, that's where it all comes back to emotions. Let, if, if we can be in more control of our emotions, we're going to do things in a much more logical way and and think through situations and pause and take a step back. And it's going to help uh, so many more things. So many more voids of negativity will not be filled anymore. So mm. it's just something to think about because it's a message I always take to wherever I go. We're always talking about. You know, the, the mindfulness of our emotions. And I think if you're a leader, you know, people are looking to you for how to act, how to, to, to think and walk, right? People look to our leaders. So no matter what industry you're in, if you're listening, you know, be, be mindful because there's always somebody watching. Okay. I'm not talking about big brother. I'm talking about, you know, 
employees or family or our kids. So there's always people that have an eye on us if we're in a leadership role. And if they see us flying off the handle emotionally, they're going to think that's the norm and that's accepted. So while we shouldn't hide from our emotions and pretend they don't exist, no, we need to just be able to manage them better. That's all. Wow. You mind if I switch back now to a different conversation? I, I I'm, I'm absolutely. I like what you're what you were talking about there, but um, something that's that kind of nagged at me there that you were sharing earlier is that you talked about how you pivoted, uh, realizing that communication was was your thing, and realizing that you wanted to go further down that road, and. You're an accomplished speaker. You've traveled around. You've spoken to all size crowds now. How have you been able to hone your public speaking ability? How have you been able to grow that? If someone, if someone was, uh, especially because we we like to help people that are and address people that are coming up, you know, guys that are coming up, trying to figure out what to do and. They're watching you right now and going, hey, I'd like to do more public speaking. How can I get better at that craft? The only thing I could say, honestly, and I and I teach public speaking as well. That's what I teach for the high, my, my university that I work for. So I teach public speaking and I also practice it. And really the way I've, I've developed and honed my skills is just – it's, it's really comes down to experience. I mean, remember I just – I told you a little while ago I said – not much will phase me now, audience-wise. That's because I've had so many different audiences and experiences that I just sort of, I, I've trial and error different um, different activities I've wanted to do with certain audiences, different jokes or stories, and I can kind of I now now having gone through that, I can usually tell what type of story, what type of activity will hit better. And I'll, I'll lean more towards those, but that came from years of experience of trying things that didn't work as well or stories that I didn't really feel as much or telling other people's stories, which is not as personal. And I think that's what I've pivoted now the last two, three years to more just personal storytelling, my own stories, my own experiences, my own lessons instead of somebody else's. Mm. And that's helped the audience. I think that's helped me deliver a more genuine presentation, real presentation. And it's helped the audience to see me more as a, a human being and as a father and a husband, as a person, and not just this guy on stage who they have no connection with. Yeah. And, and that, that'll help you. So knowing your audience, trusting your preparation, but knowing that turning the personal into the powerful hmm. is where it's at as a speaker. Right? You make the personal into the powerful. That's what people audiences yeah. need to connect with you more. So that that's what I would definitely have to say to speakers that are kind of coming online is you just have to get out there. And, yeah. you know, I, I would speak when I was first starting out with John for very low dollars. Right. And just sometimes a lot of free stuff just to cut my teeth just to kind of, you know, experience a whole variety of audiences. So that's uh, never say no. All right. The speaking engagements, no matter what it is, you, the answer is always yes, because you will learn something 
from any group, any crowd, any type of presentation you have, you will learn something from it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just gave us a peek in there and I want to ask you about this. Uh, how would you, how would you describe yourself as a, as a father, as a husband? I, the word that always comes to mind with me is uh, serve. That's sort of my, you know, w w John Gordon has us do like a one word for the year and that we're going to focus on. And he wants us to have a, have a life word too. And I, I really believe my life word is serve. And when it comes to being a dad and being a husband, you know, my, to me, the mark of a man is a jack of all trades. That's, that's my own philosophy. Nobody else's. That's my own where I feel like the, you know, husband should be able to cook, clean, take care of the kids, drive them around and work and provide for their family and, and be a good supportive spouse and be a good communicator and listener. That's the jack of all trades. And I have certain friends of people elsewhere who are like, no, no, no. My wife does all, all of the household stuff. I don't do any of that. Now, my wife and I have an equal share of responsibility. And I she's lucky because I came into the relationship already being a clean and tidy person. Okay. Like I always, I already knew how to cook. I loved having a clean apartment and taking care of my own self. So that's definitely something I've taken into my marriage and, and into my, my, um, the life of my boys, my two sons who are six and four, just trying to do anything I can for them and be present in their lives as much as possible. Uh, be, be supportive, be loving. And, and they, they know that, that I'm always going to be behind them 100%. But I'm also teaching them how to act when they get older. That it's normal to see their a dad figure, a husband figure, you know, being active in the household, cleaning, cooking, doing all these things. Mm. Uh, whatever the household, whatever the family needs, a dad's yeah. role is to step up and, and, and do it and do it well and not expect a thank you, not expect an applause. You do it because that's the job, mm. right? And that's the way I look at things. I, I say, you know, you know, words of affirmation are important to me for sure, but that's not why I try to go above and beyond in the household and with my kids. I do it because that's what I'm supposed to do, mm. right? And that's what I believe. So that that will transcend anything that I, I want to do for sure. W was that something that you you learned from uh, your father that you got from your dad? Did you see that? And is that how you came about that? Uh, not really. <laughs> no, no. My dad and I really don't have a relationship. And oh. so it's something that I really had to kind of, you know, figure out on my own what kind of dad and husband I was going to be. So I think to me, you know, I, I had a mom who was, who, who, was very, you know, who, who worked hard and still provided for us and left dinner in the refrigerator when I'd come home from work, even though she had to go out for work and, you know, and expected us to do chores around the house. And, but I've always, like I said at the beginning, I've always been very driven and motivated. And those types of people are going to want to have their life in order and their, their setting in order, their house, their finances, their, their mind, their, their, their stuff. So uh, I try to be organized. I've, I've always sort of been like that. And, um, and, and it's, it's yeah. helped significantly for sure. Wow. Well, what I just heard there was that, that you just shared was, you know, this, this difficulty made or this thing that happened in your life, not having that 
healthy or, or I'm not sure you didn't use the word healthy or happy, but not having that relationship or that guidance from your, from your father, it actually turned into something that you were attuned to. You were, uh, you, you, you've been intentional about being this in your life. And is that it sounds like to me, like part of that was because you didn't see that uh, growing up. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, and, you know, and, and I knew my dad up until about high school, college, but then we kind of had a long story. You can go back to one of my podcasts and listen to your listeners. I tell all the story about it, but kind of had a breaking point there. So I, you know, and, and I've, I've used that lack of a relationship now uh, into it. I've turned it into a positive and I've tried to be mm-hmm. the best father I can be. And I try not to put up any walls ever. I try to deal with uh, things that are bothering me right there and not just sweep it under the rug, try not to hold any grudges. I'm trying to do the opposite of what I experienced, you know, mm-hmm. in the final waning, you know, years of our relationship. So that, you know, th- and there's research to suggest that, um, you know, the worst event in a person's life has turned into the best event of their life. And, you know, and, and you could think back to all these leaders who have had these terrible things happen and bankruptcies and failed elections and lost battles. And they go on and they become Lincoln and Washington and, and Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx and she sold fax machines door to door. And now she's running a billion dollar company, right? So all these things that have happened to, to mold us into who we are today, you're either going to be consumed by the pressure of that moment. You're, or you're going to be, you're going to, you know, use it as a crutch the difficulties we've had growing up, or you're going to explode from there and wow. you're going to develop into something that you never thought you could be, or maybe you always knew you could be that, but it was just hidden deep within. So it just depends on how you want to, where you want to go. The choice is always going to be up to you, no matter what your circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and I don't care where you are, right? No matter what your circumstances and it's going to be, it may be harder for some than others, but you always have a choice on where you go from where you, where you find yourself, right? You can be in the worst situation in the world or the best. You still have to find a way to, to grow and improve. So that's just, wow. it all comes down to choice. Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I, it's funny. I actually talk to my kids about this often where I say my greatest sources of pain in my life are now when I look at them are my greatest joy um, because they are my greatest uh, sense of power. I've learned the greatest lessons in my life from the most painful things that have happened to me, uh, including almost dying on a table in after a gang fight. And, you know, I've shared stuff like that. And, you know, you, you just look at, you look back and go, Oh my goodness. If this happening, which seemed tragic at the time, it it uh, rebirthed me into right. a different direction, and and uh, it those points of pain allow you the opportunity, the opportunity to be able to uh, look at it, consider it, and maybe change and choose something different. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You just have to be willing to willing to do that and willing to act. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. I mean, that's the you're, you're talking leadership 101 right here. You go. Um, 
Let, let me just ask this one final thing. What's what's next for you? We want what's next for me is, you know, as far as from a speaking standpoint, uh, writing a book for sure. That's that's on the list that that's coming. And I just think it's uh, it's all to me. It's all about growing, growing our brand, growing this this school's initiative, mm. uh, getting to 100 schools, getting to a thousand schools, getting up that high where we're just you know, round the clock nonstop. And I know there's potential there for that. And we're putting systems in place to really market and grow this program because we know that it's, it's doing a world of good for our schools that are, that are out there. And I just want to continue to be uh, instrumental in its success, but always to be reminded. I always try to just try to, I always try to hold on to that, that, joy i had that curious joy i had as a as a kid of wanting to be a speaker and anytime i get booked now even 20 years later and i've get booked all the time but now I, I try to get still maintain that excitement level be like yes got booked again got booked here i'm going there and not just take it for granted right. and try to maintain so i want to maintain that that humbleness that think like a rookie mentality uh as this program grows as the speaking continues to increase, think like a rookie, still work hard, still take every audience seriously and, and still put in the preparation and still try to learn after every talk and not just rest on success. Cause if you start resting on success, you know, if you're coasting, you're declining the way I look at it. So, and I don't ever want to do that. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, so, uh, if people want to get more of you, what's the best way for them to do that? They are welcome to follow me on social media first too at at Jim Van Allen V A N A L L A N that's Twitter Instagram and Facebook, and they can also I'll give my email out if that's okay I don't mind people emailing uh, Jim at JohnGordon.com Jim at J O N Gordon.com for all school related if you if you're part of a school or if you know somebody if you you think your child's school needs some more professional development and positive thinking. Let's have a conversation. I'm not a pushy. I'm not pushy at all. It's just having a conversation to see if schools program training would be a good fit because uh, we want to make sure it's going to be a good fit for sure moving forward. So that's my email, jim at johngordon.com. And our website is energybusschools.com, energybusschools.com. That's awesome. So if if teachers or principals are are seeing this, you know, they should get in contact with you because you, you, you come up to Canada. I you, have, you so, would leave sunny Florida, for <laughs> Canada. In a heartbeat. I was close. I had a gig in Buffalo, uh, five years ago and we actually, was close. we flew into Toronto and we did oh. Toronto and, uh, I love Toronto. I, when yeah. my wife and I, we had a, uh, one and a half year old, just a one and a half year old at the time. And she was pregnant. We did yeah. the whole city. We did the whole uh, city. We loved it. So yeah. uh, I, and we've, I would love to get more into, uh, I've, we've had some requests from some Canadian schools, but the border has mm -hmm. been closed. So we haven't been able to come yeah. up there, Yeah. but absolutely. Um, you know, Canadian schools for sure. Uh, I just talked yeah. to a school in Saudi Arabia. So we're trying to be, uh, <clears throat> much more international for sure. Yeah. Well, it, your, your message is applicable anywhere on the planet right because as you mentioned you're not addressing the curric curriculum but rather uh the faculty 
right. uh, themselves, right? So right, exactly. that's brilliant. Well, Doc, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, any any parting words? No, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate everybody listening. And I just think people can keep growing, keep learning, and keep being mindful for sure. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much. All right, guys, thanks for uh, for tuning in and we'll see you guys again next time on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. Take care.